This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Hannah McGrath, the editor of FS Tech, and today we're going to look at the value of digital trust and identity verification as financial services companies increasingly seek to build secure single sign-on access to both customer and enterprise data. So with rising awareness of data privacy among consumers, this has made secure identity verification essential for building customer trust, proving to them that the data fueling a wide range of apps and digital services is securely stored and out of the reach of unscrupulous cyber criminals. However, for financial services firms, this secure exchange of data goes both ways. Companies need to be sure that highly sensitive financial transaction and customer data is only accessible to those who have expressed permission to see it, or they risk data breaches that could have a devastating effect on customer trust and ultimately the company's bottom line. And while retail banking surges ahead with data sharing initiatives such as open banking, other sectors of the financial services industry, including insurance, asset management and investment banking, risk being left behind with many enterprises stuck with legacy technology and convoluted complex sign-in procedures, which create confusion for the end user. So to delve deeper into these issues, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Ben King, Chief Security Officer for the EMEA regions at Okta, the digital identity and access management platform. So thanks so much for joining me today, Ben. Uh, Welcome to the FS Tech podcast. Thanks, Hannah. Great to be here. Um, so, so I mean, as I've sort of outlined there, um, we're going to talk about digital identity. And, and I guess my first question for you, Ben, is how have financial services companies responded to demand for greater data privacy in the last few years? Well, Hannah, by way of introduction and context before I begin, um, before Okta, I spent 11 years in banking and finance industry myself in a variety of technology, strategy and cybersecurity roles. So I've got some understanding here from both sides of the fence both working internally at a large multinational bank and more recently working on the vendor side. Now, the FS industry is one of those which is built on trust and really in that sense is akin to security. In either industry, if you don't have customer trust, you don't have a business. We've seen continued degradation in the security landscape. And in the last few years, we've seen regulators really step up their expectation in terms of security and privacy to protect their consumers uh, and also to protect the critical national infrastructure they've got oversight of. We've seen GDPR and open banking, PSD2, not to mention the Schrems 2 decision impacting international data flows more recently. At the same time, consumers themselves are becoming more and more security and privacy conscious. So the response from FS organizations has been initially to keep up with the regulatory demands and audits put upon them, and then trying to get ahead of the game to delight their customers. With smaller companies being naturally more agile than the larger ones at reacting, or we've seen larger organizations essentially trying to disrupt themselves to stay abreast of changes in the industry. We've seen the, the creation of chief privacy officers, often with customer trust within their remit, taking accountability here, and um, continual assessment and controls implementation programs. So we've seen data encryption, service hardening, monitoring, and of course, identity and access controls, as well as monitoring third or fourth parties who provide data hosting or processing services. Throw into all of that the ability for customers to request visibility of, manage or delete data a company has collected about them, that right to be forgotten, it's made for a really busy few years in terms of meeting custom demand for increased privacy in the sector. 
Right. And, and you mentioned there, um, you know, the, this ability to delight customers um, through uh, perhaps a sign on or a digital identity um, portal or platform. And um, what role can identity verification play in building customer trust and, and better engagement as well? I think that, that phrase delighting customers is, is one of the hangovers I have from working in a bank for so long. It's a big focus. It's really important to cultivate customer trust at all stages of their engagement. This obviously begins when a customer signs up to use a service, and a major part of that initial process is identity verification. Uh, we've seen a lot more know your customer and anti-money laundering strong verification requirements in financial services in recent years. We've um, noted ID verification varies country by country, and some are much easier than others depending on the mix of identification required to complete verification. I've seen this in action across Europe and globally, and it's certainly a growth industry. For example, in the UK, we're partnered with on Fido, who provide this service and I know are growing extremely rapidly. Now, this is an area where the customer experience can go very right or very wrong. And I'll give you an example. If I'm opening a new bank account, I appreciate the need to go through this process. I'll get all my ID together and I want this to be a robust process for my own security. I don't want someone to be able to forge my identity easily. Um, in fact, if I'm going through this process and it doesn't appear to be a robust process from a, the bank's point of view or, or provider's point of view, that'll give me really serious concerns with, do I want a bank with an insecure provider, for example. Without a strong repository of identity, a customer would be required to do this process again and again, totally ruining that experience for them. But conversely, with a strong identity platform, Identity verification can be reused to add services functionality and improve the customer experience continually, really driving that seamless experience for the customer that they're expecting or at least hoping for. Now, as well as better customer engagement and experience, we see better customer acquisition as well by using simple mobile or online tools to enable what can be a complex task. But increasingly, customers are expecting simple and seamless business processes, really reflecting what they see in their personal lives and activities day to day on mobile devices. Absolutely. And, we, and we've seen here, you know, the, the growth of uh, online portals and um, there's sort of digital KYC customers and, and consumers are becoming far more familiar with this. Um, but how does this feed into workforce management? And um, how can identity management help with efficiency and at the moment with remote working? Well, Hannah, we're certainly living in the right time to test remote working to its fullest. Um, and I, I think we've seen plenty of experimentation during this time. Some people getting it right, some getting it wrong. Lots of people pushing business continuity and, and maybe putting security by the side or user experience by the side just to, to keep a business running. I myself was 100% remotely onboarded at Okta. I uh, started last um, June last year. This for me was a really positive experience. I had laptop and credentials all delivered just before my start day. And on day one, I logged in and my access was automatically provisioned. And this included my access to Okta itself, uh, but also included all the integrated resources and applications I need to do my job day to day, all enabled with single sign-on and biometric access and a, a secure multi-factor as well. That better user experience is a fantastic HR outcome, um, but it's a lot more than that as well. The, the better user experience yields better productivity from employees. So if I'm not spending my day logging in and out of applications, trying to remember multiple passwords or trying to reset passwords, I can get more done in my day with less frustration. It also yields better talent retention. Now, whether that's because the ease of use of a platform for staff with, with single sign-on, for example, is a good outcome for staff, or whether it's 
people being able to use the apps they'd like to use, the tools they'd like to use. So if you take a software developer as an example, they might have a particular tool they like to use to do their job. Rather than being dictated which tools to use, having a platform that enables use of many different tools, but applying appropriate security as well, is a great result to retain key talent. Now, two other benefits I'd like to go through, the first of which is the security uplift of using a modern identity platform and a decision engine that uses identity and device context to enhance access controls. And this is the zero trust story many of you will have heard about, um, some of you may be sick of hearing about, where so much data and the apps we use every day have moved to the cloud and, and users are accessing and processing that data from remote locations. So with the disruption of a network perimeter, we really see identity management as the remaining logical point of control for security. The final benefit I see is using um, a modern identity platform for automated lifecycle management, which goes beyond the onboarding experience. And, and I went through my onboarding experience with Okta briefly earlier, beyond onboarding to automating role changes and, and the offboarding process. So by role changes, I mean removing the access creep as staff move around an organization and inherit different access rights as they move, but potentially never lose the access they had in their prior role and removing the risk of orphaned accounts as staff leave an organization. So removing, removing access like this shouldn't take hours or days, it really should happen in real time. If you wanna minimize risk, it needs to happen exactly at the point of decision. Um, if I think of fintechs, many of whom experience really rapid growth, some putting on you know, tens or hundreds of staff in a matter of weeks or months, automating these processes really makes um, even more sense in that scenario. It all adds up to a stronger, faster, more efficient and a more secure remote workforce experience, which is what we're all about. Absolutely. And, and, and how is the growth of digital and app-based services on the consumer side changing um, data access, uh, especially in the cloud? And how does uh, identity authentication apply to things like application programming interfaces, API gateways? Um, can you talk to me a bit about you know, how cloud and, and APIs are changing um, identity verification? Absolutely. Look, this is really, really topical right now. Uh, and I, I mentioned zero trust and, and the change of, of use of data and processing in the cloud. Work now happens anywhere on any device. Data apps, users, par, um, partners, third parties, all transacting over cloud services, processing cloud hosted data from remote and varied physical locations. And like the, the BYOD, the bring your own device conversation we were having a decade ago, perhaps, I'm now talking about BYO application using best of breed application integrations to create really powerful and compelling new services for consumers. Uh, this speeds up innovation cycles and drives competitive advantage for companies. But like so many things, it can go really badly wrong if it's not done correctly. And from a security point of view, if we just look at the variety of data breaches uh, we've seen in recent years and, and go to root cause, quite a few of them can be attributed to API misuse. Um, we talk about living in an API economy. Now, fintechs make their data and systems accessible from anywhere, available to anyone by design, built from a combination of services and a combination of partners to create this positive customer experience I'm talking about. The trick becomes managing identities and permissions seamlessly to ensure their APIs are secured in that ecosystem. And this balances identity and device risks with the sensitivity of the service being accessed to create appropriate and differentiated security controls. So for example, if I'm using my phone to access a, a fairly open low risk wiki page, I might not need deep authentication to go and do that. 
But if I want to access a, a backend payment clearing application, you definitely want to see a, a step up in security querying a multi-factor at a minimum to, to prove that I have access to use that system. What I'm describing is maintaining that, that zero trust uh, posture, there's zero trust security measures, while removing barriers that stop productivity wherever possible. And, and we never want to see security in the way of um, business productivity. Really, it, it's an enabler supporting function. From a user point of view, this enables a really frictionless experience. And I've, I've been through some of the user benefits um, in my prior response. By also providing secure and efficient access like this, we can do that for partners and, and B2B collaboration as well. And this works with the blurring of boundaries we're seeing between an organization and their partners in so many fintech services today. We're seeing what might be a, a simple service for a consumer might be built of tens or um, potentially hundreds of different parties and services just creating a, a simple online click payment to pay for a restaurant bill. I'm a big fan of the phrase staying flexible to, but alert. Uh, so enabling user freedom of activity, but using user or device context in an adaptive sense to decision access privileges to more sensitive resources as they're requested. Essentially providing a step up of security aligned to risk in real time, whether that's transacting over an API or otherwise. Yeah, so that, that's tailoring to, to your risk profile there and making sure that it's flexible enough that, you know, you can, you can, you can deliver the, the services and the data um, to where it needs to be, be that the customer or, you know, your workforce, but also keeping in mind um, the, the obvious security implications. Um, so, so the watchword at the moment for a lot of financial services is innovation. Um, and so my question for you on that would be, how can digital identity platforms help financial services firms to develop new products and services um, whilst involving data access? And can you give me a couple of examples of those? Absolutely. The last nine months have taught us anything at all. It's that it's not the branch network, but the online offering, which is the competitive differentiator for businesses moving forward. That's just the, the nature of the environment we're in. In my opinion, this requires a, a strong and independent identity platform to enable and really maximize the benefits in this space. This allows quick, automated, secure access to best of breed services, um, certainly faster collaboration and innovation cycles, making the most of the full breadth of cloud technologies that are available for consumption by business today. With better security, visibility, monitoring, and risk management, and up to three times lower total cost of ownership when I've looked at some of the customer transformations we've been involved with uh, at Okta. The real heart of what I'm trying to speak about, though, is transforming staff and customer experiences and engagement. And that's whether using a, a single password for a user with single sign-on to access a full suite of applications or services, or even passwordless access with other factors enabling authentication. Again, removing friction for users throughout their experience. I mentioned cultivating customer trust earlier by securing them at all stages of their engagement and really making it seamless. And this brings me to the final point I wanted to make, which is the build or buy question I'm sometimes asked. It, it sounds really simple to just build a username and password login page. Um, but much like you wouldn't build your own messaging gateway or payment system or, or go build your own data center, 
I just don't think it makes much sense to go build your own identity platform. What can sound manageable initially rapidly becomes very difficult as it scales. So requiring lots of thought and design around future volumes, encryption of data and, and encryption of data flows, uh, federating identity with external apps and their integrations, the need for adding a, a multi-factor to a service and complying with um, legal or regulatory demands in whatever regions you're playing in or whatever regions you might be thinking of growing into. Would you really do all this while developer talent is scarce? I don't think so. Instead, I'm, I'm a proponent of buy not build and freeing up developer talent to focus on what's really important for an organization as their competitive differentiator and using a modern identity platform and the suite of integrations it would come with to do all the heavy lifting possible for you and your team so you can focus where it makes sense. I mean, that's excellent. And I didn't I didn't actually realize just how many um, parts of the, the workflow process or the customer journey identity authentication actually touched upon. So it's been really interesting to hear about that from from yours and from Okta's point of view. And, and if our listeners would like to find out a bit more about Okta and what you guys do and where can we send them? Sure. Firstly, I would check out Okta.com. Go to the website. There's there's a ton of information there. In fact, for a finance services customer, last week I was looking at um, our customer stories on the website. You can see those at okta.com slash customers. Uh, you can go filter by industry there to see what's relevant for you. So you could see how peers within FS industry are using Okta in potentially similar use cases to uh, what some of your listeners may be curious about. Or better yet, go look into our annual conference called Octane. You can find information about that at www.octane21.com, which is in April this year. Uh, from what I've seen, it's going to have some absolutely great content. And in fact, before I joined Okta last year, I attended Octane 20, uh, which was a virtual conference, and it was incredibly well put together. So I, I highly recommend checking that out. Absolutely. And I suppose Octane spelt with a K. That's correct. Okay, T A N E, yes. Yeah, brilliant. All right. And um, Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to, to explore this with me. Um, it's been fascinating to hear about, um, as I said, you know, all of the different touch points for identity authentication um, and how these can really help improve the customer service and also the staff experience as well. So um, thank, thanks so much for that. Uh, thank you, Hannah. Great to chat. Yes, it's great to have you on the FS Tech podcast. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.